we join Tommy and Jimmy at the TNJ Auto Garage. Hey, hand me that wrench there, would you, Tommy? What you doing? Oh, I'm working on a new device here. I'm working on building it for Mr. Hyam Bloom, and hey, I might even sell it to Brian Cashman. Well, what is it? Well, it's a specialized calculator. I call it the Judgeinator. Uh, here, let's see how it sounds. Uh, yeah, whenever you hear that cash register ring, it means Aaron Judge has just hit another ding. The tabulation here with my Judgeinator calculator now says that Aaron Judge should be paid $40 million a year. I wouldn't want to be Brian Cashman this Christmas. No, but I'm Bloom might be happy. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Herbert, your host, and we're happy to have you here today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What's been going on with those Yankees? Well, we'll find out here in a minute. A couple of things we got on Baseball Biz on deck today is we're going to take a a little bit of a close look at AL East, what's happening there, specifically about the Yankees more than anything else. What does the AL East look like overall as far as the standings? Uh, wild card. Aaron Judge continuing to set records and raise the price of what he can earn with the Yankees or somebody else. <laughs> Is he going to be the MVP? Most likely. And what's happening with the Rays? Oh, gosh. Sad news there. And also look at a recent visit of mine to the Tampa Baseball Museum. But let's get started. The Yankees just completed their five-game tour of the National League with games against the Brewers and Pirates. And, you know, we want to salute Aaron Judge. I mean, he, he solidified his place in baseball history as he hit home run number 60, you know, tying Babe Ruth, and he's headed toward number 61 to tie Roger Maris. So it's an exciting time for him. But the Yankees, the Yankees are struggling up to this point. You know, the past weekend, they lost two out of three to the Brewers in Milwaukee. They returned to New York Yankee Stadium on Tuesday to take on the bottom feeder of the Pirates, and the Yankees look to continue their losing streak. <laughs> uh, you know, who, who didn't think that they would just completely trounce the Pirates? I didn't, but they gave quite a surprise on that Tuesday night game. So let's take a look at what happened on that game with the Pirates. The Yankees really shown that day, I mean, not all the way through the game, but it was interesting to see, uh, it's, and you're seeing like, oh, some of, there wasn't really much going on until the top of the fourth inning. Greg Allen, he, let's see, he got out on a sacrifice fly to left fielder Oswaldo Cabrera. That young Yankee has been doing a bang-up job. But the Pirates got Diego Castillo in on that sack fly, and it was one to zip New York. Then, let's see, wasn't really any activity to the bottom of the fifth. Harrison Bader, his first time up with the Yankees. And he singled on a ground ball to left fielder Greg Allen. And that brought in Oswaldo Cabrera, who's, like I said, for his first year, it has just been astounding to watch him. That brought the game tied up one-to-one. -one. Then Jose Trevino, he singled on a fly ball to center fielder, and uh, Harrison Bader scored. So, again, what a good, great first day for Harrison Bader. Top of the sixth. <laughs> okay, time for some things to happen. And Jason DeLay, he doubled on a sharp line drive to center fielder Harrison Bader. Jack Sawinski scored, and O'Neill Cruz scored. O'Neill Cruz, he's going to be a name that you're going to continue to hear over the years. Fast and an amazing player. 
the bottom of the sixth, Harrison Bader once again. He singled on a ground ball to right fielder Jack Sawinski, and Josh Donaldson scored. Also, Oswaldo Cabrera scored. So, there again, seeing those two new guys coming up. Uh, well, Oswaldo's not that new anymore, but he's new this year. In the seventh, Brian Reynolds homered on a fly ball to right field. So that brought Pittsburgh up, and then they are matched four to four in the score. Then top of the eighth. <laughs> Brian Reynolds of the Pirates, he singled on a ground ball to left fielder Oswaldo Cabrera. Jason DeLay scored. Cabrian Hayes to second. Rodolfo Castro. I love watching this guy win the Pirates. He homered on a fly ball to right center to Cabrian Hayes. and Excuse me. Cabrian Hayes scored, and Brian Reynolds scored. So that was three more runs taking Pittsburgh to an 8-4 lead over the Yankees. And that's the top of the eighth. Top of the ninth, they made some pitching changes, brought in Araldus Chapman, and he was replacing Clay Holmes because Clay Holmes just wasn't getting it done. Kevin Newman for the uh, Pirates, he, he had a fly-out center fielder in Harrison Bader. Let's see, uh, that was one out. O'Neill Cruz, he struck out, and Greg uh, Allen, he struck out as well. So, the score was still maintaining there at 8-4. to four. Bottom of the ninth. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, Aaron Judge making history. He hits home run number 60 for this year on a fly ball to left center field. At that point, you know, the Yankee pride soared for those who remained in Yankee Stadium. I mean, after Aaron Judge hit that 60th home run at the bottom of the ninth, all of the energy changed. But, you know, after being prodded by the fans, the team, and his manager, Aaron Boone, Aaron Judge stepped briefly from the dugout, gave a tip of the hat curtain call to the fans. But, you know, his heart didn't seem to be into that curtain call because while he was honored for his achievement, all he could think of was, was most important to him, and that was bringing a win home to the Yankees. Let's hear what he had to say. <laughs> I'm like, damn, no, I wish I would have done that with the bases loaded, you know, a little earlier in the game. You know, I was a little, I was a little upset at myself, uh, you know, just, you know, especially early in the game, I had a couple situations to <clears throat> either get the inning going, do something to get started, and then that situation where, you know, we're up by one, bases loaded, you know, one out, and then, you know, striking out. So I was kind of kicking myself while I was running around the bases, like, man, you idiot, you should have done this a little earlier. But, uh, you know, the team picked it up and we were able to pull that one out. The vitality of that moment infused the Yankee dugout to dig deeper and find something to turn that tide. And John Carlos Stanton sealed the deal with an ultimate grand slam and took them to a 9-8 to victory. But that just didn't easily happen because, as I said, Judge ignited the fire. After his home run, Anthony Rizzo doubled. You know, he gets a line drive out there, and then Glaber Torres, they give him a walk. So you got two men on base. Then Josh Donaldson, he singles on a fly ball, and suddenly you got the bases loaded with Yankees. Who comes up to the plate? None other than John Carlos Stanton. And he just hasn't been his regular self. He's been suffering lately. But here it is, man. This is like the critical situation to win. And lo and behold, he does what needs to be done. He comes up and slams that ball and knocks it out and has a grand slam. But not just any grand slam. It was an ultimate grand slam. What is an ultimate grand slam, you may say? 
I'm looking here from uh, Daniel Kraber from MLB. He reports, an ultimate grand slam is classified as a player hitting a bases-loaded walk-off homer with his team trailing by three runs. There have only been 32 instances of this on record since 1925, a player hitting an ultimate grand slam. Now, there's some question because some record-keeping may not be completely accurate, but it is interesting to see that the last ultimate grand slam wasn't years and years ago, but it was very recent. So while there have only been 30 30 ultimate grand slams, it's certainly worth noting that they've hit two of them this year. One with John Carlos Stanton the other day, and the other with none other than Mr. Josh Donaldson when he was facing the Tampa Bay Rays on August 17th. Quite a historic year for the Yankees overall. After all this, a rather humble John Carlo had to say this about how he felt when he hit that grand slam. Um, it's about damn time for a little bit. Uh, just um, everything helped help the team win. Uh, finally, finally uh, produced um, from being back, and yeah, just. Just uh, make it all more special, uh, especially what what Judgey did tonight, and um, you know, go on, go on, and get a win with it too. Well, there's John Carlo with almost self-deprecating remarks about hitting that ultimate grand slam, but I know he and all the fans that were still remaining in the stands at the bottom of the night greatly appreciated what he achieved. So, kudos both to John Carlo and to Aaron Judge for achieving so much in the bottom of the ninth. I mean, you think about it, that's that's a couple of big records to be breaking in uh, one half of an inning. So uh, anybody who did miss that game, shame on you. It was exciting. If you're fortunate and you can find it somewhere, like on YouTube, or maybe if you have MLB.tv, you can go back and find some of the historic games, and they should have this one up there as well. So now the Yankees have swept their challenging two-game series with the Pirates, winning again on Wednesday, defeating the Pirates with a 14-2 win, which was exactly what I would have expected more likely on uh, on Tuesday as well. So I was kind of surprised that the, Yan- the uh, Pirates were really pulling the Yankees' chain all the way until the bottom of the ninth. On deck for the Yankees, what's the remainder of the year look like? Well, let's see. They have three American League teams upcoming and a visit to Texas. Let's see, the Red Sox will be visiting the Yankees for uh, four games. Boston's been suffering, too, kind of as a bottom feeder in the AL East. Uh, Let's see, they're standing, what, fifth in the AL East, yeah, with a 486 win-loss average. It's 72 wins against 77 losses. They now sit idly at 18 games behind the Yankees. You know, the Yankees, like I said, after they they finish up with the Red Sox, They're then going to fly from Boston to Toronto to face the Blue Jays, who hold the number two spot in the AL East, who are only sitting six and a half games behind the Yankees. But that's a lot of games when you got, what, maybe 14 games left about? Let's see. uh, After that, they'll leave Toronto. Let's see. Leaving Toronto, the Yankees will return to New York for their final homestand with a three-game series against the Orioles. The Orioles are holding on to a winning season with a 520 winning percentage lagging 13 games behind the Yankees. You know, had a lot of hopes and high expectations for the Orioles this year, 
They're looking good. I think next year they're even going to be better. Finally, the Yankees will fly to Texas to face the American League West Texas Rangers, who are now holding a 429, uh, (laughs) I won't say winning record, losing record, with 63 wins and 84 losses. Ouch. Uh, These final 15 games of the season seem a bit of a soft landing for the AL East Yankees, but uh, I'm – I don't think anybody else is going to be taking the ALEs from them. And I don't think there's anybody else in the American League that's going to be able to take MVP away from Aaron Judge at this point. Uh, everybody looks at Shohei Otani, and I do as well, but there's just been too much that, that Judge, Judge has achieved this year. And even though um, even though Otani can be both a pitcher and a hitter, his, uh, his accomplishments, I think, will not uh, – his accomplishments won't necessarily pale to judge, but they're going to fade in all the judges achieving this year. So I want to send congrats again out to Aaron Judge and also to John Carlo for that ultimate grand slam, you know, giving us some of the most exciting baseball that I've ever seen. You know, all of us non-Yankee fans can kind of look and wonder, you know, as Aaron Judge continues this 2022 home run march to greatness. I mean, we've seen him; he's he's beat. The record, or rather, he's matched the record of Babe Ruth. And with all this happening, he he turned down a, a salary offer from the Yankees earlier in the year, which was smart because his stock is going up just like <laughs> just like the Jejunary calculator that Tommy and Jimmy have built. His greatness is going to dra- generate a larger salary, whether it's from the Yankees or somebody else. Uh, surely he's going to break and exceed Roger Maris's record of 61 home runs. When he hit that 60th home run, you know, you always look in the stands and see who's going to catch that. I didn't see Zach Hamill up there, the little ball hawk, but I did see Michael Kessler. You say, well, who's Michael Kessler? Well, he is truly a Yankees fan, but when he caught that ball, all I could think of was that old Marty Robbins tune, nine-tenths of the law, talking about if you possess it, you own it. It's nine-tenths of the law. But anyway, Michael Kessler, he's, he's like I say, he's a name you wouldn't ever heard of before. Kessler's the lucky fan who caught Aaron Judge's 60th home run ball. So so what do you think that's worth? You know, what, what would you ask for it? Kessler, he was very clear about what his plans were for the ball and what it meant to him. You know, according to a Fox News sports report, he said, Kessler is a business administration and management major from Port Chester, New York. He told the outlet he did not need to make a tough business decision in order to get Judge his baseball back. Quote, Judge means so much to the organization, especially this year. He's just unbelievable just the way he is. He deserved to have the ball back. I have no second thoughts, he said. Uh, Let's see. The 20-year-old college student agreed to give the ball back to the Yankees in exchange for a meet-and-greet with Judge, four autographed baseballs, and a separate signed baseball hat. Oh, come on. That is a fan who does love the game and loves his team, but I think a lot of other people may have requested a little more. Kessler's a great fan of the game as Yankees and Judge, and I I salute him for that. But, you know, however, maybe he should have considered taking a a judging negotiation approach to the value of that 60th home run ball. I mean, Judge... You know, he's held out, he's holding out now for, for a higher number. Should should Mr. Kessler hold that ball 
held out for a, a higher number. He could have uh, he could have said he loves the Yankees and he would really would like to hand over the ball to the Yankees. However, he's going to wait till the end of the season before what, what he considered the value of that ball to be and where it may land finally land after the 2022 season. Yeah, that that sounds like some advice uh, Aaron Judge's uh, agent may have given to the fan. No, 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 no. Kessler embodies the spirit of a true fan who believes he's just, he says, he's just unbelievable. Just the way he is, he deserved to have the ball back. I have no second thoughts. Well, again, you know, tip of the hat to Mr. Kessler. <laughs> and Zach Campbell, eat your heart out. So who's going to catch that 61st and 62nd home run that's a ball that seems inevitable that Mr. Aaron Judge is going to hear? What are those balls going to be worth to a ball player? And who's going to have a $400 million contract in just a couple of months? Let's see. Let's try to figure some of this out. Let's take a look at some other people's mail and what they're saying. Okay. Craig, it's Calcaterra. Uh, I'm going to send uh, apologies to you now. I'm cracking up your newsletter here. And seeing what a couple of readers said to you about uh, that fan. They said One of them said, anyone who gifts a valuable object that they own outright to someone who will soon have a $300 million contract or to a team worth billions of dollars is a fool. Oh, get the full market value for the item. Sell it directly based on an estimated auction value. Change your life. Wow. <laughs> Change your life. I think it probably would with most people. Then let's see another one of Calcaterra's uh, readers submitted. Says, uh, as far as what he advice he would give to that fan, he says, it's not your accomplishment. It's the player's accomplishment. If the player wants the ball, give it to him. He did the work. Sign bats, tickets, meet the guy. Sure, I'm a fool for many reasons. <laughs> not j- Just not this one. <laughs> oh, it's a great time to be a Yankee fan. Just remember Tuesday night's game and to always stay for the whole game. <laughs> you never know what may happen in the bottom of the ninth. You could have caught Judge's 60th ball. Okay, enough Yankee talk, enough Aaron Judge home run talk. Let's look at what's actually happening across the ALEs. Right now, Yankees have a 608 winning percentage, a 90 win, 58 loss record. Just behind them are the Blue Jays with a 564 record, and they're six and a half games back. The Rays sitting at third in the AL East. They're eight and a half games back with a 550 record, and they've just been falling and falling and falling, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. The Orioles, yeah. The Orioles, like I said, I expected more, but they're still having a winning year. They've got a 77-71 record, which gives them a 520 winning percentage. Red Sox. Red Sox is the only AL East team right now that does not have a winning record. And 72 wins and 76 losses. They're 18 games back behind the Yankees. That I don't see much future for them this year, obviously, but you know they're barely beneath 500. They could come up above that. I'd love to see all these teams above 500. So what does the wild card look like for the American League right now? Houston, they've nabbed it, you know, done. They've already won their division. They've got 99 wins and 51 losses with a 660 record. Yankees, they haven't clinched it yet, but they've got 90 wins, 58 losses, 608 record. Cleveland, when you're looking at the American League Central, 82-67 with a 550 record. 
And when you look at that 550 record, you, you can also look in AL East and say, whoops, the Blues, Blue Jays have 564 and the Rays have 550. Hmm. Uh, looking at the American League uh, wild card, we're seeing that Toronto is numero uno there with a 564 record. And then you have Tampa Bay, half a game back behind them with a 550 record. And Seattle in third place with a 547 record. Now, after that, Baltimore. Baltimore is about four games behind Seattle, so moving up to number three in the wild card race. Not completely out of the realm of possibility, but it'd be tough. After that, the White Sox and the Twins. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and quickly give you a rundown on National League. We're looking at uh, Dodgers. They've got that. They've got the whole thing sewn up with 103 wins. The uh, Mets still going to be fighting a little bit there. They've got 95 wins as compared to Atlanta with 93. So not right at the moment, New York is leading the NL East. And then uh, NL Central, St. Louis is leading that. And the wild card teams go in this order at the moment. Atlanta, San Diego, Philadelphia. So that's what's happening there. Now, let's turn to my beloved Rays. It is a tough, tough year. I don't know. We've, we've had some injuries, and it looked real poor. But then we had some new guys come on, and things were really looking great with Peralta and Siri. And uh, Paredes was looking great, some others as well. And they've been struggling the last few games. Part of that's because they were playing the Astros, who I consider the best team in American League, at least. But looking at some notes from Matt Germain from a couple of days ago, here's something to make me smile. He was given a summary on the Rays affiliates. Let's see, uh, the AAA team in Durham, they were leading their division by one and a half games. The AA Montgomery team, they are, let's see, one for all in the playoffs. So I don't know where they are now. I'd have to check it maybe up that that later in the notes. Uh, Bowling Green, the A-plus uh, team for the Rays, they are also in the playoffs. And the single-A team, the Charleston team, they're two championship winners in the Carolina League. Rookie League, the Florida Complex League, they finished first overall in the championship series. So good things as far as how the minor leagues for the Rays are looking. It's just a little hard when you get to the major leagues what's happening. If you look at the last 10 games, the Rays have had four wins and six losses. Ouch. They've lost the last three games solid. Ouch again. The Rays, you know, they set history this week by losing, as uh, Mark Topkin pointed out. It's the first time the Rays were swept in a home series of three or more games since April 19, 2019. Okay, April 19th through the 21st. 2019. The good news is that the Ray fans got to see a couple of Tampa natives provide some great performances this past week at the Trop. Unfortunately, they weren't wearing Ray's uniforms. There, there are other uh, Tampa natives playing elsewhere. One of them, of course, was the pitcher for the Astros. That's Lance McCullers. And Kyle Tucker, who's just as mean as hell at the bat. So we got to see both of those guys. But again, unfortunately, in Astros uniforms. Tampa's just got such uh, a great number of people that have joined the game, who've done well in the game. I mean, was mentioning those two fellas, but you can even look at other ones closely, like uh, Pete Alonso. And going further, much further back to one of the first people who came in the major leagues from Tampa, and that was Al Lopez. If you want to find out more about those type of folks, 
a visit to Tampa Baseball Museum is a, a great way to start that. So if you're in Tampa and you're heading down to that fun place, Ebor, you can also find the museum there as well. And I'd say it's certainly worth you know scheduling a time to go visit. They've got limited hours, but they've got a few exciting things going on there. We'll talk about more about that in a minute. But if we're going to go back to the business of baseball, <laughs> you you heard the judgeinator. And what Tommy and Jimmy have said as far as finding out from their supreme calculator what judge is worth. What is it again? Run that, run that uh, calculation. $40 million a year. Yeah, I think the, the last Yankee offer was around $30 million a year. And it's, you know, just judge's stock continues to build with each hit and home run. He's now at, what, uh, huh, 60 for the year. So does his value, when he reaches free agency after this year, what's going to happen? You know, the Yankees front office has, has let it be known that they will do whatever they need to keep him as a Yankee. And I'm really curious to see what that is. You know, I mean, history is keeping its eye on judge. He's closing in on Yankee Roger Maris' 61 home run record for the year. That's going to happen. You know, that was said all the way back in 1961. So what's going to happen with Judge? Will, will he actually be offered something worthwhile by the Yankees to keep him there? Can't imagine him not doing it. Recently at Fenway, someone asked Judge, you know, would you consider ever <laughs> wearing dropping the pinstripes and coming to the Red Sox? Judge, in this typical, ah, oh, shucks kind of fashion, was like, you know, uh, well, I think we'll just kind of wait till after the end of the season before I ever dress anything like that. It's, it's not difficult to see why he would do that. Why should he? It's just going to give him a little bit more of leverage with the Yankees to get a salary that I think he's well worth. But while all this is happening, I can't help but think back to last year with Freddie Freeman. We all knew that the Atlanta Braves wanted to keep Freddie. You know, Freddie spoke highly of his history with the Braves and how he looked forward to having the negotiations completed. But then it didn't happen. The Braves went back and forth with Freeman's agent. But in the end, they had to make a decision. And I'm talking about the Braves. And that decision was to bring on Matt Olson because they just couldn't wait anymore. And they needed him to replace Freddie at first base. <laughs> It was not a popular decision, and one that earned the fury of fans directed both at the front office, somewhat at Freddie, and certainly at his agent. And there was a big brouhaha about what his agent may or may not have communicated to Freddie at what time, and did that screw up negotiations between them? You know, even Braves living legend and Hall of Famer Chipper Jones did not sit quietly on the sidelines during this madness. In one interview, Jones was saying, I do not agree with the way this was handled on Freddie's side. If you want to play in Atlanta, you play in Atlanta. You maybe take a little less to be happy, and you play in a place that is comfortable for you. The second that Freddie told me that he rejected the five for $135 million after the All-Star break, I told him, you're playing a very dangerous game. You go out on the free agent market, you get courted, by all the pretty girls that are on the block, chances are you're not going to come back. If you take your time waiting on that six-year deal into January, Atlanta has a job to do. <laughs> well, Chipper Jones hit that on the mark about Atlanta had a job to do, and they did it. And I think a lot of us who, who really loved watching him in the Braves uniform, it hurt a lot to see that happen. 
but, uh, you know, <laughs> others get to enjoy Freeman. He gets to enjoy a little bit more money, and hopefully that's something that goes well for everybody. We'll see. So what's, you know, how's Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman going to do it there in the Yankees' front office? Are they going to pony up the cash to pay a legendary once-in-a-lifetime player like Aaron Judge? It's almost inevitable that they're going to meet his price. I mean, can you imagine the backlash from Yankees fans? It would be enormous. <laughs> and Harrison Bader, here's what he has to say about Yankee fans. Um, the fans in New York are very sweet. That may be true for him, and I'm glad he had such a great first game with the Yankees on Tuesday. But, man, I don't think they'd be sweet if that's the case, if Judge was not on their team next year. Well, that's going to be a wrap for this week on Baseball Biz. I want to thank you for joining me here. And remember, you can reach me, Mark, at the Baseball Biz. And you can also listen to this episode and other episodes on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, iHeartRadio. Like I said, we're everywhere. And I want to remind you, too, that uh, I'll be at the Tampa Baseball Museum in the Ebor this Friday, September 23rd. Then also they're having an event on Saturday, September 24th with Wes Singletary. He's going to be there for a book signing. So hopefully we'll get a chance to see you there. So thanks again for joining us here today on Baseball Biz. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to XTech RUX for the music rocking forward.